0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: Hack. Hey, it's Dave Marchese. Welcome to the Hack podcast. In a sec, we're getting into our big chat with footballer Josh Cavallo. You'll know Josh's story. He came out as gay in 2021. It was a huge moment in the sports world. Well, more than a year on, he's looking back on how far he's come. He's also got some advice for others who might be struggling to come out. You don't want to miss this chat. Later, we've got the beautiful story of a young guy who became a disability support worker and he found so much happiness and friendship. Another one you really don't want to miss. It's a gorgeous story. There's a lot of emotion and inspiration in this hack podcast. Let's go.
2: Hack. There's something personal that I need to share with everyone. I'm a footballer and I'm gay. On Triple J.
1: You know, being the first at anything is a big deal. Like maybe you're the first one in your family to finish high school or go to uni. You were the first one to move away from home. What about the first person in your family to come out? Huge. Scary. Something that seems so big and life-changing. You never thought you'd be able to do it. Now imagine instead of being the first in your family, you were kind of the first in the world. And that's Josh Cavallo. More than a year ago, the Adelaide United player made sports history with that announcement that you just heard. Not only was he the first in the A-League to come out, he became the only openly gay male footballer in a professional league in the world. How crazy is that? In seconds, his whole life changed, and he's now one of the most vocal advocates for pride and inclusivity in sport in the world. And I'm so happy to say that Josh is with us now. Josh Cavallo, welcome to Hack.
2: Thank you. Thank you. It's a very nice, special place in here. It's very cosy. I'm enjoying enjoying my time at the moment. Okay, you're feeling all right
1: now. That's good. You know what? The day after you did the big announcement... You spoke with us on Hack. You probably don't remember. It was all a blur, I imagine. But you spoke to us and you said to us, I'm just so happy. And you said, I'm the same person that I was before.
2: I'm just so much happier. How are you doing now? Yeah, look, it's definitely the dust has settled and it's just changed my life, like 360 change, like it's been an absolute roller coaster. And, you know, I got the luxury to travel overseas for the first time. Um, I got to see the impact it had, you know, in London as well as in Australia. And I was just like, how do these people even know who I am? So it kind of made everything a little bit more real that it wasn't just behind a screen. My announcement was that it was uh, real life interaction with people as well. But the DMs were stacking up, right? <laughs> like, can you give us an indication of like
1: how quickly you were being followed? You were being messaged by people. Yeah, so
2: a little insight was the first 30 minutes I had 500,000 messages. Oh. Um, and then every 30 seconds for the next two weeks, there were 30,000 DMs coming through at a time. So, Josh, my Instagram- that is wild. <laughs> like, do you think about that and go, how did that happen? What's yeah, going on? It's, it's crazy, but like, how my nature works is I wanted to reply to every single one of them and I was and my manager David said Josh relax like you're not going to get any sleep for the first three days I was like no I have to reply I have to do this I have to reply I have to send the thank you to them and everyone and then it got to a point where I did get a bit too much and like I'm still going through the messages <laughs> oh, to this no. day. so um yeah it's it was definitely crazy, but I thank everyone for the support they did. And not only just for myself, but it paves the way for the next generation. And what I'm doing is great for me at the moment, yes, but it's the impact it's going to have in 10, 15, 20 years' time when that next Josh is coming through. Can you take us back
1: to before you came out? Because I know you've said, look, I was struggling for years. And people probably always ask, like, when did you realise you were gay? Like, it's just an email that you get one day and says, you're gay, (laughs) which it's not.
2: It doesn't really work like
1: that. (laughs) It's kind of not like that. But you've obviously, it's a process. You were thinking about it for years. What was life like before you came out?
2: Very hard, very difficult. You know, um, I was scraping the ball very hard. You know, I wanted to be a footballer. At the time I was playing for the under 20s Australia national team and my coach there, his name was Kyle Vert and that's my coach today for Adelaide United. So he um, said come down for a trial to Adelaide United and I'm from Melbourne, grew up in Melbourne all my life and this is the first time I was leaving home. So drove my way to Adelaide, it was eight hours <laughs> and had a three-day trial and I had zero money, nothing. I was living out of my car. Um, Didn't have a home to go to. So you were homeless at this point? Yeah, I was homeless at this point and I was trialling for an A-league club here. Signed a two-year deal after that trial. Um, And then um, after the first season, we had an awards night and this was the turning point for me where it was just an amazing journey. And then on this awards night, yeah, I got lucky enough to win the best young player. Yeah, I was very humbled by it and I wasn't expecting it. But at the same time, you know, I spent so much time with these people and I couldn't be myself you know, there was times at training where we're getting a drink break and the boys have banter and say, oh, who's your cheeky date tonight? Who are you going at? Who's your missus? Who's that? And like, I'm trying to play football here. And then I have to think of making up these stories and adding it up together. It was so hard to balance the two and make the story sound legit. And just so I can, didn't want the boys to think any different of me or any less than me. And, you know, I received this award and I was so happy, but I couldn't let, I couldn't let it go. It's like I was stuck in this hole, you know. I, was, I was, had to have such a great achievement in my footballing career and then the people I shared it with the most, I was lying to them. I was lying to their face of the person who I am. So I was so disappointed that night. I went home after that night and I was crying. That was my turning point to me where I wanted to be myself I walked into my coaches. It's a bit like this. The this room here. I walked into my coaches' change room, and at the time, our assistant coach was Ross Aloisi, and he was sitting in there. And I said, Ross, um, I want to tell you um, guys something personal that's um, happening to me. And like, Josh, you're right. Like, what's going on? You're not going back home to Melbourne. I said, No, 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 no. I'm, not, I'm good. I'm I'm happy here. Like, there's no problem with that. And they go to me, Oh, what's wrong? Is it something about your mental health? And I said, No, no, no. Um, I'm actually coming out as gay. And they're like, is that it? And I'm like, what do you mean, is that it? And they're like, as long as you perform on the field and you're doing what you're doing at the moment, we couldn't be happier for you. And... It gave me like the confidence I needed, you can say, I guess, because it felt like I had 10, 15 kilos off my shoulders after just telling two people in the footballing world. So after that, that training session, I had the absolute time of my life and I had the best training session I've ever had. (laughs) It was crazy. And then the next day I, you know, told the team and we had a huddle everyone. This is like such a masculine environment. Everyone was getting emotional and teary. And like, it was absolutely crazy. Every single one of them gave me a hug and I really felt the love in the room. And they said, oh, we couldn't be prouder of you. We're just sad that you had to hide it from us for so long. You know, you couldn't be yourself and tell us the truth. And we can understand all the times now that you didn't want to hang out with us or you didn't want to do this. It was because you were covering your tracks, not because you didn't want to hang out with us.
1: Well, that's the thing, right? I think a lot of young queer people are going to relate to this that the exhaustion you talk about you know trying to come up with excuses or not to be in a position where someone might ask you a difficult question and that might mean that you're isolating yourself and you're not getting the social time with your mates and stuff like that that must have a huge impact on you mentally and it's funny that you said like as soon as I came out I had the best you know training session ever because it had a physical impact as well.
2: Yeah, definitely. And that was only after telling my two coaches. So it gave me the confidence to say, wow, I really want to take the next step, tell my friends, my family, the world. Like, I, this is me. This is who I am. Can you imagine what I'm going to be like in a year and a half if this happens with football? So um, it was really exciting. But you're right. Look, this was and there's so many people going through it to this day. And there would be people listening to this on the radio or wherever they are in the world. And, you know, they're going through the same thing where they're at home and they're thinking about conversations they had during the day with their loved ones or their friends and family and say, oh, did I say the right thing? Did that add up? You know, did I cover my tracks properly?
1: You're listening to Hack. I'm Dave Marchese. I'm speaking with A-League star, gay sport icon, advocate Josh Cavallo about his experiences before and since coming out. It was a huge moment that spread right around the world. Josh, since you came out, other footballers have followed. We've had Jake Daniels, recently Czech international, Jacob Yanto. How does that make you feel?
2: Great. And that's the purpose of why I did what I did. Because in 10, 15 years time, I hope there's a whole team that come out, you know, <laughs> together. So there's a reason why I've done this video and it's to make it easier for the next person and the next person and the next person until there's no story about it. And it's so normal. Look, in the women's game, no one would ever look at this and be like, oh, wow, someone came out because it's so normal in that space. Have you spoken to Jacob or reached out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did speak and I congratulated him and said, I'm here for you if you need anything. And it's a very overwhelming time. It's a lot to take in very quickly because it's something that you wake up the next day and your face is very familiar in my experiences, it was great that the celebrities reached out and, and all that stuff. But the most touching thing for me is when I'm walking in the street or walking to a cafe or walking in woolies and a mum, a dad or an uncle or a little boy or girl comes up to me and says, Oh, you help you help my mum or you help my dad come out and they said, you know, there's a place in this world because of your story um, for them in this world. And they didn't th- think that, you know, they could fit in and there was a life for them, what they really, truly wanted to be. And when I hear stuff like that, it makes it all worth the hate and all worth the the negative comments that get thrown my way online from trolls or whatever. There's probably people out there
1: listening going, oh, well, the reason there's not more people coming out as gay and the men's game is just because there aren't very many gay players. Like, that's the reason. What, how do you respond to something like that?
2: Okay, so the best way I could respond to that is about one in 10 find themselves homosexual or in the LGBTQ space. In a football team, there's 30 players. So there's definitely, I'm in communication with many, um, not only in football, but in other sports, Olympians, everything around the world, basketball players, hockey players, um, everyone's at their own journey. And I'm extremely proud to be helping these people that aren't out yet in their own journey because I didn't trust anyone. I didn't trust a therapist. I didn't trust my family. I didn't trust a friend. Um, so to see these people reach out and ask for my help and ask for my assistance and my experience and my story, and I hope I help them in their right way. And some are ready to come out tomorrow. Some are ready to come out in a year some are never wanting to come out, but they want that hand, that guidance. And I'm more than happy to do that for them.
1: Josh, coming up to the Pride rounds in the A League, that must be pretty proud moment for
2: you. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Love <laughs> How that. you feeling? Yeah, I'm excited. Um, a little bit nervous, um, if I'm honest with you. You know, the Pride rounds at Adelaide United was one of the most popular Adelaide United games that we've had. And it was such a big successful event that we had um, and the awareness, you know, just to see the same gender holding hands in the stadium and stuff like that, to see that combined with my footballing world, I never thought the two worlds would ever combine. So (laughs) all of a sudden you're like, this is the best. It was so cool. But the most amazing thing was the messaging that it got across. And it was a very successful day and it did pave the way for the rest of the season. You know, we had people at our game last the last couple of months that are waving rainbow flags and it was nowhere near the pride rounds and the pride game from last year and just to see the impact it's had on this and you know it's crazy to see that you know a little kid is is confident to wave a rainbow flag and be who they are and come to a footballing game and be proud and uh, it's a very exciting time for me to um to go out and celebrate with the community and have a great time as long as we win as long as you win You said you're a bit
1: nervous as well. What makes yeah. you nervous?
2: Yeah, I would say the nervous thing for me is that, you know, when we played Melbourne Victory um, last season after me coming out, I did cop a lot of verbal abuse and it was the first time, you know, face to face that I copped, um, yeah, a, a lot of hate and um, the crowd was booing at me and, um, yes, yeah, said a lot of homoph- homophobic stuff. Um, How did
1: that feel at the time? Like you've just been through this huge process of coming out. Um, You've got a lot of support, overwhelming amount of support, but then that happens.
2: Yeah, it made it real. And I knew taking this step, there's definitely going to be this thrown my way, you know, being the first in the world to come out in the footballing space. It was definitely something that I was preparing myself for. And, you know, doing that, I'm more than happy to take all that. hate. is it acceptable? No, it's not. Definitely not. But I know that that's going to come my way in order to make the next Josh an easier space for him. But, yeah, it definitely leaves me a little bit nervous going into this Melbourne victory game because it's the same venue, same location of where it happened.
1: I mean, and- obviously you're full of praise for the A-League and the stuff they're doing. What do you think of other codes? Because there are, you know, sports like NRL, for instance, that flagged a pride round, but now they've kind of backtracked a bit and the officials there are saying, oh, we might have, like, a respect round instead. Like, it won't be specifically pride. What do you make of that?
2: It's disappointing. Yeah. Um, That's what I have to say about it. I don't think that there's any excuse what to have a pride round or to have a pride shirt or you don't want to wear rainbow colours. It's 2023. Like, grow up, literally. It doesn't paint anything. It's just helping people that are struggling in life, you know. You don't realise by wearing that shirt or having a pride round how many people that's going to help to come out, how many people that's going to help to encourage You know, so many people are listening to this here and and they could find themselves not out and this could be the the step they need until coming out in their own journey. So to see people saying no or saying, why do we have to have a pride round? Why do we have to do this? Why do we have to do that? It's helping people in such a positive way and it's making the world better. So why not?
1: And as some of these people that are reaching out to you who might be, um, you know, not out yet, are they in some of these sports that don't have a big pride movement yet who is saying, oh, we're not ready for it yet?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, there's definitely sports where there are people that are waiting to come out and they don't have that space where it's friendly or they feel like they can't continue their sport after coming out. Um, so there's a lot more people going through it, you know. These people saying, oh, well, let's wait a few years, let's wait this, let's take that. How do you know it's not your brother or sister that are waiting people got to be careful because it could be your colleague or it could be someone really close to you in your family that is going through this. And seeing that people are respectful and embracing it is only going to make these people's lives better.
1: Josh, there's definitely somebody listening to you right now who is struggling and really maybe at a crossroads in their life or just needing a bit of advice and they're wanting to live their life like you. They're wanting to be open. They want to be able to fully express themselves, but they're scared. What do you tell them?
2: Look, I was in that position. That's exactly where I was, and it's not too long ago. It was only a year and a half for me. Um, so, you're okay. You'll get there. You'll be there. You are the only person that's going to change it. Um, I had so much fear as well, so much fear. But it's the best thing I did in my life, and now I can live every day as long as I wanted out. There was times where. You know, I wanted the day to be over. You know, I would go to training, I would go straight home and I want the day to be over because I can't I, – I don't want to go outside. I don't want to live my life. This is, this is horrible. Like it's not the person I wanted to be. So if you're finding yourselves in those shoes – when you're ready and when you feel like you you can take that next step and come out, it is the best thing you ever do in your life. It closes this book and opens up a world that you never thought would exist. So um, you've got plenty of things to look forward to and, and um, just take that next step when you're ready and you will never regret it. You can tell on your face that it's, <laughs> it's
1: like a next chapter, right? It's kind of like a whole new book. I've watched so many interviews with you and you've done a lot of interviews <laughs> over the past year, like so many. And in every interview you're smiling and you're so happy. And I thought maybe this is the interview I'm going to break him, that he's going <laughs> really, to really just be really upset and grumpy and depressed and all the rest of it. But that's not Josh Cavallo. You're such a happy guy and you've got this message that you want to share with the world. Josh, thank you so much for your time. Good luck in the Pride round Good luck in your career, but also good luck in your life.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Hack on Triple J.
1: And, you know, we got so many messages coming through, messages of support for Josh. Someone says, Josh, I'm in tears of happiness for you. Be who you are. That was from Robert. Another person sitting in my car crying a little about how special it is that Josh has been able to inspire so many Professional men's sport is one of these remaining spaces that feel unwelcoming and Josh is changing that. Thank you. David says Josh's voice sometimes cracking shows us all that the world still harms queer kids of all shapes and sizes in ways that make pride kind of essential. He's an actual champion and someone else just says, what a legend. Totally agree. You know, we had news today. Josh has undergone some successful surgery to repair a ruptured Achilles tendon. All of that was successful, but we're wishing him all the best on a speedy recovery. And hey, if you want to watch that interview, you can check it out on the Hack website. Also on our socials, you'll see some of the highlights. Let's get pushing. Hack.
3: Immediately our friendship, our connection just start to blossom.
1: On Triple J. You know, we've spoken a bit this week about accessibility and how a bit more consideration can open up so many experiences to people with disability at big events like music festivals. But what about everyday things, like going out for some beers with mates, a dinner at the pub, surfing, hiking? Many people with disability count on the help of support workers to do these things. Unfortunately, there are not enough support workers, and in particular, there aren't enough young support workers, which is a shame because beautiful friendships can be born out of these experiences. Hacks Serge Negus has been talking to one support worker who discovered a whole world of joy in the work that he
4: does.
3: <laughs>
4: you might remember Ben Newmarch from a story during COVID and how two lorikeets pulled him out of the dark place that lockdowns were for so many of us.
3: My only social interaction has been with a couple of little birds. They've just been an absolute blessing in disguise.
4: Yeah, it was a heartwarming story that sent Ben in a life-changing direction.
3: What's unreal is someone that was listening to the story, she has a 19-year-old son with autism. And at that point as well, James was also dealing with a lot of the solitude issues that we were dealing
5: with. James was diagnosed very early on. He had no communication skills. He didn't understand his name. He wouldn't make eye contact. He didn't interact at all with people. That's Melissa Lazaridis. She spent years getting James
4: various types of support. But during COVID, things got tough. And that's where Ben came in, someone who she identified as having the skills that might help her son.
5: James didn't have any male support workers working closely with him it's really difficult to get young men with the capabilities of doing the sort of thing that you know matches your child people with disabilities are all very unique in their needs so I was just hoping for a match
4: with Ben. So she reached out to Ben hoping that there might be a spark between
5: him and James
4: with their combined love of books.
3: One of the key goals for James with his support workers was actually to increase his literacy and comprehension skills and he absolutely loves comic books, loves literature and thankfully that's one of the things I love too. And so what happened there was we decided let's just try, read together online. What we didn't really anticipate was the profound impact that was actually going to have on both James and myself.
4: Melissa says that connecting Ben and James has been
5: massive. James is just a completely different person. From week to week, we see improvements. He's more interested in what's going on in the world. He has more substantial sort of understanding of other people and their lives and, you know, his his place in the world and... I can't express enough the impact that Ben has had in James's life. One of those little miracles that happen in your life where you think, wow, how did that all come together? So, a dark time for Ben in lockdown, and his own
4: personal saviour and a couple of parrots has grown into something much bigger, with Ben giving up his job in sales to become a disability support worker.
3: This work has solidified my reasoning for life. If there was a purpose for us to to be on this planet, to to live as humans, we're here to simply care, support, and and really love each other. Okay, so we're focusing on sentence structure with a key emphasis on A. Addy? Can we go through it once more, please? Let's go for
4: A. That's Ben and another of his clients, Adam. Addie has intellectual disability and autism spectrum disorder. He requires 24-hour support. Here's his mum, Karen.
0: For Adam to model good actions in the community, it's great for him to be with neurotypical, in inverted commas, people and people who are engaged with him and understand he doesn't have great
4: verbal capacities. The NDIS says that there are around 430,000 Australians under the scheme. And National Disability Services say that there is a massive shortage of about 120,000 workers across the country. Karen, like Melissa, reckons there's an even bigger shortage of male disability support workers.
0: It's traditionally been a female profession, but, you know, a great majority of the NDAs participants and others are male, so for them to have male support workers
3: is wonderful. That's it. Push through, that's push through. Push through. Well
4: done. Ben works with Addy in heaps of different ways. Go, One of the biggest yes. is the gym. And Karen says that so. getting Addy access would be impossible without the support of workers like Ben.
0: For Adam, his whole life revolves around people doing things with him. You know, he loves going to the gym and he loves going to the beach. These things can realistically only happen for someone like Adam with another person. So disability support worker is so valuable in providing the opportunity for the person with a disability to achieve what they want to achieve.
4: Ben says that beyond needing more disability support workers, society as a whole needs to accommodate better for neurodiverse people and those with disability. He says that when you do this, the outcome can blow your mind, like seeing Adam take on gym work completely
3: independently. And it was the moment which made me understand that my successes in life are not my personal successes. They are the successes of other people that I'm around. And if I can help people achieve successes, that is the biggest success to me. Hack on Triple J. Ben Newmarch ending that
1: story from senior producer Serge Nega. Sort of beautiful, beautiful story. We've got messages coming through. Someone says, Ben, James, Melissa, you are all brilliant. Another person says, a wholesome day on Hack and Australia's here for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I want to get into this story a bit more now. Joining me is the President of People with Disability Australia, Nicole Lee. Nicole, thanks for joining us on Hack.
6: Yeah, thanks for having me on. How
1: important are support workers in being able to help people with disability, you know, live their life to the fullest?
6: Oh, well, it's vital for us um, as part of one of the key deliverables on the NDIS in, you know, having support workers that can help us. Um, you know, live out the things that we want to do and to be able to engage in the world around us, be that through work or even, you know, like myself, doing um, activism work with people with Disability Australia. I need support workers to help me do that. So, you know, these, this work is, is really vital for us to live an everyday life, just like everybody else.
1: Is finding the right support worker for people with specific needs, um, like a big source of anxiety for people with disability?
6: well yeah of course it is like um (laughs) if your support worker all of a sudden is sick or can no longer work anymore trying to replace that person isn't as easy as people think and i i get a lot of anxiety over the thought of having to replace my support worker um finding somebody that works with you fits for you um, that meets the needs and the things that you need them to do, as well as actually get along with them, um, is is quite tricky and can be quite anxiety provoking as well. And and depending on your different needs, you know, finding somebody that also has the skill sets, depending on what it is that you need them to support you with. Um, for a lot of us, we've got equipment, so things like being able to operate hoists or things, uh, other more intimate things like um, bowel care, which isn't quite as pretty as going out for beers, unfortunately, everyone. But you know. <laughs> they are all still things that a lot of us need um, you know, that we need help with on a day-to-day basis, and finding somebody that you can trust, you know, is is quite difficult. And when you're doing really interpersonal things like you know showering and toileting, um, you know, just you can't just grab anyone. Um, off the street to kind of do that sort of thing. So it it does become anxiety-provoking and quite tricky.
1: As we just heard, there's a massive shortage of disability support workers. Is there anything you think we need to be doing to get more people into this kind of work?
6: Um, I think there needs to be some well, possibly some incentives for people to be coming into this line of work but also shifting the community attitudes of what people think of disabled people is a really big key piece of work that needs to be done in Australia so um, you know speaking to the the stigmas and the stereotypes of what people think when they think of disabled people and and care work um, you know sort of shifting that kind of uh, you know the old school narratives that we've um, you know lived with in the past, and we still currently kind of live with to a, a large extent now of what people think of us and what our lives look like. And you know, this is that's like a, a, a bigger, broader, more community campaign that doesn't just you know encourage people to work in this industry, but it also encourages people to accept us as a whole across you know you know the s- society more broadly. Um, but it, it's it's you know showing people what our lives are like realistically and and breaking down those stigmas I think would make a, a huge difference in people wanting to work in this area.
1: And Nicole, we've just got 30 seconds left, but what would you say to any young people listening that may have heard that story and thought, yeah, I want to get involved in this kind of work?
6: Um, this kind of work is going to be hard. It is going to be rewarding. You know, it's going to be more exciting than doing backfill at your local supermarket. Um you know, hard work doesn't necessarily mean it's not good work and, you know, it's sort of, you know, why not? You know, we do need younger people. You need to be able to relate to the person you're working with. I'm an older woman. I like an older woman to work with. If I was a younger person, I'd probably like to work with a younger person. We need to relate to people on that personal level, um, you know, to be able to have conversations with people because we do spend a lot of time with our support workers and, you know, younger people in this area is is something that is quite vital um, for just you know, younger people to feel included and accepted, and to also feel safe and comfortable with the people that they're inviting into their lives and into their homes.
1: We really appreciate that, Nicole Lee from People with Disability Australia. Thank you very much for coming on Hack.
6: Thanks for having me. Hack on Triple J.
1: Big thanks again to everyone who contributed to this episode of Hack. Some really beautiful stories there, and everyone who messaged in as well. That is all we've got time for on the Hack podcast for now. I'll catch you next time.